you're listening to Time to Talk. Well, I've had my Tesla Model 3 for just over two years now, and I will probably always be a massive Tesla fan, because like many of you, I don't just believe in the product, I also believe in the Tesla philosophy. I believe in its business structure, which by the way has broken the mould really when you think about it. No advertising, no PR, just a collective belief and a love of the company. But hold on to your hats, I am seriously considering handing my Tesla back and returning to a fuel car. Today I'm joined by a few Tesla owners who have promised to deliver the good, the bad and the ugly of owning a Tesla. And we'd also love to know what you're thinking. As you listen to this conversation, consider sending us a voice memo to time to talk Australia at outlook.com. So why am I on the cusp of becoming a Tesla Judas? Traitor! Many of you have already turned off. Well, I do believe I can speak with some expertise here. I've been driving the Tesla daily for more than two years. I use it for work. I use it for leisure and I do not live in a capital city. To be very frank, I don't think the Tesla suits the Australian seaboard environment. It's a bloody hot car. It can get to internal temperatures well in excess of 50 degrees Celsius while sitting in a beach car park on a fairly typical hot Australian day. And before you say it, because I know you're thinking it, the internal cooling feature is absolutely fantastic, but it means your battery is constantly in use. If you own a Tesla, be really honest. Have you ever parked on a shopping centre rooftop? Oh, hot, 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 You know, one of those endlessly unshaded concrete environments. And do you ever feel like an absolute fool? That you're the one who owns the car with a glass rooftop? Overheating aside, Australia is also a bloody large country. And my range anxiety has never settled down even after two years. It was right off the scale when I first got it but it's still there. And I think my range anxiety is totally justified. On a long trip, no matter what Tesla fanatics will tell you, it doesn't come close to a standard fuel car in terms of range. In a fuel car, I could comfortably travel from a place, let's say like uh, Coffs Harbour to Newcastle, and that's around 380 kilometers. And I could go all the way there and partially back on a single fuel. But in the Tesla standard range model, which I own, it simply cannot make it even one way without a good charge in between. All Tesla owners know the reality of owning this car is you need to become a planner. And many Tesla owners are affluent, professionally successful, very organized souls. I am not one of these people. I detest the amount of thought I have to put into my trips in the oh, Tesla. No. Can someone else do it? Nope, you can't just cruise from Sydney to Brisbane. At least, not without plotting out numerous stops. And if you're someone who likes to take a little detour off the highway to find that little, you know, that picnic spot or that water fountain or waterfall, think again, that detour might mean you can't make it to the next charging station. And here's the cherry on top for me. And some of you will applaud because you're already upset with me. I wear sunglasses and sometimes I put reading glasses over the top of them to look at the Tesla screen. And just as I took some time off work recently and finally planned a little trip away, away from work, away from it all in the Tesla, 
the Tesla company decided I wasn't paying enough attention to the road and they suspended my absolute favorite feature, the auto steer. Now, I adore the auto steer and now it's gone for a whole week. The whole holiday I, I had, wasn't able to use it. I contested it and I was met with a very shirty reply from someone who probably looked at my record and yep, in case you didn't know, they have a complete log of your driving record. Resistance is futile. And they decided I was reckless, despite two years without any incident or any issue. Now, as we know, there's a lot to love about the Tesla. Believe it or not, I do love my car, but I have some other grumblings too, which I'm really curious to know if others see the same way. Maybe I need to return to a fuel car for a little while and come back to my beloved Tesla when things have advanced maybe just a little bit. So let's welcome in our guests to have the warts and all discussion that I wish I had been able to listen to when I was deliberating whether I should buy a Tesla or not. Tesla owners Dean, Darren and Mike, g'day to you all. How you doing there? Good. G'day, how you doing? Hey nice fellas. Voices, hello. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Tell me, should I be banished from the Tesla kingdom or is there a little bit of merit in what I say? No, it's, it's funny, all those little things I suppose for you, what I've done. <laughs> uh, I wear glasses as well, but I actually have prescription sunglasses um, to combat that. <laughs> so you have the same issue though, it's and that's ridiculous that you have to go and buy a pair of special glasses just so you don't get wrapped over the knuckles by Elon. Yeah, so, um, but no, there's definitely, um, like, like I said, yeah, there's definitely a few things with the car and the quality that... Um, other manufacturers, I think, do a lot better than basically Tesla. Mike, how long have you had your Tesla for? This is going on our sixth year. We've had our Model 3. Wow, six years. Oh, so you know everything about it. And do, do you love it? Look, I love the concept of the car. Um, yeah, so look, there's a lot of little things that you know have really annoyed me. Like our steering wheel is an example of the heat that you're talking about. Mm. So the top of our steering wheel, the leather's all melted off it because it got oh, too hot. Oh, no. Really? So it sort of feels sticky and it's getting to that point where we rubbed it off. So, yeah, that's annoying every time we get in the car. And I always feel like the steering wheel is the most important thing in the car because that's, yeah, you, you feel in connection it's to the, the car. It's the tactile so. experience, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's quite annoying. Um, but, yeah, we, we've been to like literally just this week. Um, we've had one ball joint done under warranty. And that same ball joint is gone again now. And the other one would have only been done about 12, maybe 18 months ago. Um, we, we live in the country as well. So we hit a lot of potholes and that sort of stuff. But yeah, within 12 months, I need another ball joint. Um, and, and another thing this week that happened to me, um, the 12 volt battery failed. And so we ordered one in from Autobahn, got it in trying to support a local business. We got it here and the, it was wrong. Basically, the, um, the post on the battery was wrong. So like you have to go buy it from Tesla. <laughs> So. <laughs> oh, I see. So they've got you by in a vice-like grip. Yeah, I've had yeah. the same experience when the battery cover under, underneath came off for me. Mike, I'm going to come back to you, mate. But um, Dean, you've heard what Mike has had to say. You've heard what I've had to say. What are your experiences owning a Tesla? Uh, so I've owned two in, since early 2022. Um, had a standard range the first time round. Uh, unfortunately, I was involved in a pretty serious accident last year and it got written off. Um, you were involved in an accident in the Tesla. Yes. yes now, so. can I just linger on that for a little bit? I'm sorry you had the accident, of course, but they say Teslas are really the safest car when you have an accident. Were you all safe and unharmed? Did it do all right in that event? Yes, yeah, so I was hit from the right. So near on, near on T-bone, um, hit me sort of the right front. 
Um, turns out it was actually my fault that, that it occurred, which would kind of hurt hurt more than anything. Uh, physically, I was shaken up a bit. Um, I was off work for about two, three months just with some, oh, a shoulder and knee injury and things like that. Um, so I don't know. I was hit at about 40, 50 Ks an hour. Um, so it was a pretty serious hit. Um, but airbags? Yeah, it, it, all the airbags went off and obviously I walked away from the accident. Um, so that was the most important thing. I was probably more upset about the the car being written off more than anything. Yeah, right. Um, my bad. Yeah, so that was my first one, which didn't. It was a standard rage. Didn't cause me any problems. That car. It was. I think the worst thing I had happen was a couple cracked windshields and things like that, which can happen to any car. But yeah, I yeah. can't fault it in terms of um, the experiences you guys have spoken about so far with. Um, like steering. Are you in a warmer environment? I'm in Melbourne, so slightly guess, cooler. Than that slightly way. cooler. Um, I did. So then, after that was written off, I was without a car for a little bit, and then I purchased a uh, a long range Model Three. So I've had the long range since about July last year, um, and um, I haven't experienced the range anxiety issues that other people talk about. Yeah. So I charge 99 percent of the time at home. Uh, I only charge my car up to 80% uh, majority of the time to and from work and things like that. Um, so I didn't really get the long range for for that reason. It was at the, I bought it secondhand, so it was a little bit cheaper than a uh-huh. than a new one. Uh, the man that I bought it off had already done a few things to it. He'd um, he'd done like Tintin, you know, PPF wrap. Uh, it was a good buy. Yeah, and he did the also the uh, power boost or acceleration boost on it too, which wow. I love. I'm a bit of a – originally a rev head, you know, petrol rev head, and I, I can't drive a car that doesn't uh, that doesn't get off the line quick and my long range is the fastest car ever driven. Good on you, Dean. It sounds like you're a huge Tesla fan. It sounds like you're having a great experience in it. And, Darren, what about yourself, mate? Um, how long have you owned a Tesla for and what's the experience like? All right, so I got my, I've got the Model 3 Long Range. Um, I got it in December 2022. Um, and look, I'm also a car head. I came from a BMW M340i, which is um, a beast of a car. Um, I got that in 2020. So what I'll, I'll probably start with what drove me to buy the Tesla. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, but in July 22, our fantastic federal government decided to come out with a tax concession which said that if you put a Tesla in your business or as an employee, if you salary package it, you don't have to pay fringe benefits tax. And I was looking at my BMW and looking at thinking, well, this is a great car to drive, but it's costing me out of my pre-tax salary about $20,000 a year, just roughly in tax to the federal government. So I thought to myself, look, you know what? I'm just going to test drive this Tesla thing. I want to get, I'll probably get an EV. At the end of 22, there really wasn't much to look at. Yeah, I've had a choice of BYD, Tesla, or Polestar. And at that time, Tesla, I think, and still I think today, probably offered the best value in terms of performance, fit and finish, and, you know, the way, just overall value, right? And I still think that is the case today. So I then went and test drove the long-range Model 3. Um, Performance-wise, it is just as quick as what my BMW was. Um, I actually think it's got a lot more torque now, you know, power's always on. Um, the next day after we got the Tesla, so I live in Melbourne, I live in the inner suburbs, right? My, 99% of my driving is in Melbourne or down to the Monty Peninsula, which um, is now south of Melbourne. 
So, you know, being having an electric car has not been here with her at all. Like, we, we don't need to worry about range anxiety or anything like that. Although, that being said, the day after I got my Tesla, much to my wife's disdain, we went on a Melbourne to Sydney trip. And um, I think, look, I can't comment on driving anywhere else in Australia um, between two major cities, but Melbourne to Sydney is really easy in the Tesla simply because of the extensive charger network. There are just so many places to stop and charge. There's quite a few supercharger sites. Uh, you know, they're, they're really busy. You can do, in a long range, you can do Melbourne to Sydney in two stops, probably spend about an hour and a bit overall charging if you wanted to. Um, and that was my experience. So I, I, look, for me, that's not been an issue. So one of the things about Tesla, I'll say as a negative, is it's not intuitive. You actually have to drive it for a while, as you probably all know, to work out how do I set my wipers, little basic things like how do I set my lights. Um, you know, <laughs> I think- bet everyone listening who owns a Tesla is familiar with that experience. When you first start driving, it's like, ah, where are the hazard lights? Where's the windscreen wiper? Well, Where's everything? Ex- yeah. ex- exactly. And even you know, a year and a half later, my wife is not a fan of my car. She, she still says to me, I don't even know how to turn the wipers on. Um, and thank, thankfully, they're on auto. So, I mean, yeah, a few comments about Tesla. If I look at the good, the good comments, um, look, cost of ownership is just amazing. Yeah, Darren, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but I want to pick up on that running costs. Yeah. Okay. My experience is that everyone says it's so much cheaper. Well, when I got my Tesla, I could go to the NRMA charges and charge it for free. That's yeah. gone now, and I'm very insulted by it. To be honest, yeah. now that I'm paying. I'm I'm still not convinced that this is cheaper than a fuel car. I'd be interested to hear, Dean and Mike, your views on this. But my view is, okay, sure, it's costing me 30 bucks when I charge the car, when I stop on a longer trip, and it, that's a lot less than I'd pay in a fuel car. But I'm charging it every, like, two times on a long trip. So I think it must add up. I haven't done the maths, but my suspicion is I'm, I'm really not saving any money. What do you reckon, Mike or Dean? To me, the numbers, it's definitely a lot cheaper. And I've got a long range. And the way I normally travel, I normally only charge once a day because I'll normally drive to Coffs Harbour, as an example. I'll top up there. Then my next destination is my brother's in the Central Coast where I top up overnight from his place. And it's another whole story of how I get my energy free from there, not not, not actually stinging my brother. Um, but, but when I normally travel, I normally charge once, once on the road. And then my next destination is someone's house I'm staying at. So you're topping up very low cost there. Um I suppose in, it, my son said something to me once. It was funny. Um, so we've got a Hilux and uh, and a Tesla. And my son said to me, Dad, he said, how come the Hilux is always in the shop? I said, it's getting service, bud. He goes, well, why doesn't the Tesla ever go to the shop? <laughs> yeah. And that was a real like, yeah, you're right. Like we've had the car for almost six years now, but it was about five years when he said that. We'd never had it serviced. Um and so I think you really do save from a servicing cost point of view. There's definitely um, a lot less to go wrong with a Tesla, right? Definitely. So, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, with energy, there's lots of stuff changing with energy at the moment. I think where you travel and the time of day that you charge your car, all that really does make a difference. So, Dean, I'm voted down so far. Everyone's saying it's definitely turning out to be cheaper for them. Maybe I should do the maths. Is that your experience too in terms of yeah. cost? Yeah, 100%. So the I had a Kia Stinger before I had the uh, Tesla Model 3, and this is when fuel prices sort of started skyrocketing in sort of late 2020, yeah. early 2021. It was costing me, you know, premium 98 was costing me, you know, $2 a litre at least, and it skyrocketed to $2.50 a litre. So you're paying $120, $150 a week um, just to fill the car up. 
and then I switched to the Tesla Model 3. And initially, I, I didn't have solar at home. I now do have solar at home, uh, along with a Tesla wall charger. Um, so during the summer months, I can pretty much charge it for next to nothing because um, a lot of the time I'm, I, uh, I work late shifts. So I'm, I'm at home throughout the day, which is, which is handy. Um, and my power company actually gives me a you know, significantly lower rate late at night or through the middle of the day that actually offer three hours of free power. So I try to utilize that as much as I possibly can. Wow. Um, so I usually like to tell people um, who think about, well, any sort of car ownership is you should buy a car for what the main purpose you want to use it for. So if you, you know, if you think about getting a Tesla, but you, you like to go camping or you like to go on all these long drives um, a, lot, um, a lot of the time, I'd suggest it's probably not a good idea at the moment. Uh, but if your prime objective is just to get to and from work and commuting and things like that, then I think the Tesla or of EV is the best way to go. And e- here's the e- thing. That's, I, I love that point because for me, it's my everything vehicle. For a lot of people that I know that own a Tesla, it's their second car. So they'll use it exactly the way if I was using it just to run around from work and home. And it would be a dream. It's those longer trips. We've talked about heat. We've talked about cost. Which, by the way, the big tip there is for me and anyone listening, go to your electricity company. Find out when those off-peak times are or those special prices. I'm going to do that as a result of this conversation. Can we talk about charging? Everyone talks about how easy it is. And one of the most exciting things that I found when I first got the Tesla was, this is going to sound so bad, especially to you three burly blokes on the line, but I didn't have to touch the petrol pump anymore. I hated touching the petrol pump. Filthy, dirty, made my hands feel gross all day. So you don't have to do that. But I don't find charging easy. Like when I first started, I was definitely an early adopter. And you'd even know, you probably all know this, you knew all the other Tesla drivers. You'd arrive at the same bays and you'd have a chat. And I'd have practically all eight stations all to myself. But now there's bloody congestion. And you have to wait. And there's no system for waiting at a Tesla charging station. They're usually very cramped. Well, not usually, but in some examples, the one in Newcastle at um, Heatherbray, I think it is, there's nowhere really to wait and you're just relying on other people's human respect, which I have no faith in. What do you all think about charging the Tesla? Is it easy, Darren? And um, am I making a mountain out of a molehill? I'm finding it becoming more and more difficult. I think it depends where you're located. So obviously, if you can charge at home, then that's the easiest way to charge. And I mean, I was working off a, a you know standard PowerPoint for ages, and we recently just got a um, a wall charger as well, which has just made a massive difference. You know, it's four times the speed. So that's the first thing. But um, uh, in Melbourne, and where I live in Melbourne, in the inner, in sort of the inner east, I've got within five minutes of my house, I've actually got three very large supercharger sites. Right. right, and it's and it's interesting to me where Tesla has actually put the supercharger sites in te- in Melbourne. They've not put them in places where you might travel to, which I find frustrating. So, if I want to go down to the Mornington Peninsula, there is no the there's a supercharger site in the way in Mornington, but then there's another fifty or sixty kilometres of road where, or if not seventy kilometres, where there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the inner east, you've got three massive sites. So I I don't have those issues, and and now that we've got 
the two electric cars if one's charging i can just go to any of the sites so so I can think, i just clarify yeah. darren I, yeah. I have the same i don't have an issue yeah. with now that i'm familiar with mm. where they all are around me mm. i'm talking let's let's just hypothetically we're on the road we're going to special places i just did newcastle to brisbane yeah. for the first time I can't tell you how stressful it was to keep having to find these bloody charging, even though, yep, I'll admit the, the, the screen was telling me exactly where they all were. That's true. Uh, Tweed Heads has a new one, for example. But they're not just there on the normal course of your drive. You're getting yeah. off and you're, and you're thinking, are you sure you're taking me the right place? Turn right, turn left, turn this way, do around the roundabout. And, it's like, and then it doesn't tell you if it's on a rooftop that was what I've had that trouble three times. I've been driving around and around a bloody city block, not realizing the Tesla is on top of a rooftop oh. somewhere and it's going, You're here, you've arrived. And I'm going, I fucking haven't. Totally, mate, totally agree, totally agree. So, um, when I, I'll give you an example. So, as I said, if you know your area and you know where they are, no problem, right? Mm. Um, but I remember when I got to Sydney, and this is what I found really interesting. There's no. Tesla charging sites in the CBD. I had to go to a shopping centre no. just outside it. Yes, yeah, so I had to go to Broadway shopping yes, centre. Yes, exactly. Right? So, yeah. so um, you didn't want to go to Broadway, did you? No, it was it was a bit annoying. So I had to, you know. So <laughs> well, you're correct in the sense that wherever you go, it's not like petrol stations. That there's a petrol station which is a five or two or three minute drive from where you are. You can just stop in one on the way. Um, when we went to Sydney, I made sure I charged at Goulburn, got my car to. I think I was charging it to ninety three percent because it was a long range and I want to go to 100. Arrived in Sydney with about 50. But then as we did driving throughout Sydney, I need to charge it again. So I went to Broadway and I remember driving around the Broadway shopping centre looking for the Tesla supercharger site and it happened to be at the exit from the car park. And But it was only when I drove all over this place. Um, one thing I have learned is to use the um, plug share app, which people post photos and they tell you where things are. So that, that has been really helpful in terms of you know, if you go to a Tesla, whether it's a Tesla site or any other brand, um, people say in the app, look, the charges are on level three. Um, I will give you another example. When I was in Canberra, on our way to Sydney, because we did stop off in Canberra, there were there are two actual supercharger sites in Canberra, um, one in the airport, I think one in the south at the time. But there was also meant to be one somewhere in the CBD. In Canberra's got its big Westfield-type shopping centre, and I couldn't find it. I went in that shopping centre. Mm. It was just down the road from where we were staying. I was driving all over it. Couldn't find it. That's my it. Head That's it. And, and Mike, here's, here's going back to my original point. I think for Tesla in a really dense place, maybe like Europe or some American cities, Australia is a very spaced out country. I've come to a new problem that I never expected. Nearly everyone who doesn't own a Tesla, and we all know they're fascinated, right? I'm sure you all get this. Oh, you own a Tesla? And they ask you a thousand questions. The, one of the number one questions is, how long does it take to charge? And they sort of sneer like, how long does it take to charge? As if that's going to be a problem. And I had that same thought when I bought the Tesla. I've got the opposite now. I'll give you the example. Tweed Heads finally found the stupid place, went up there. But you've got, what, 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe sometimes 40 minutes, depending on how much you need. It's not enough time. To go into the, sh I have the worst anxiety in that shopping center, racing through a, a place I'm not familiar with, thinking, "Do I have time to have a scrambled eggs? Do I have time to get a coffee?" I've got. You're looking at your app. Sometimes the app goes, "Oh, it stopped charging for no inexplicable, for some inexplicable reason." I actually find the opposite. It's not how long it takes. 
that frustrates me. It's that it's not long enough to go and do anything. So you end up sitting in the car. Mike, am I just having a bad rant here? Maybe yeah. I need to take a chill pill. No, it's so true. It's so true. Um, it is. And, it's oh, like sorry. That. And sorry, Mike. It's really important we make this clear to people who don't own a Tesla. You get fined huge amounts per minute if you stay in a charging bay beyond your 100% limit. I got one and they obviously let you off the first one. I didn't know that until it came and it said, you've been charged $200 or something. Um, And by the way, is there a secret trick any of you know about? I've often thought if I press on my app unlock, I wonder if that stops the stupid little thing anyway. So Mike, I, I, I do need to take a chill pill. I think you need to pull it out to get out of that. So um, no, look, it, it, it is true because I, I do a lot of long road trips in mine and I, I went from, you know, the, the guy that had this, you know, big four-wheel drive with a ton of long-range fuel tanks that could drive two days without stopping mm-hmm. um, to have to stop every two and a half, three hours. And my wife really enjoys that because, you know, she feels I'm, I'm safer. And I yeah. feel better as well. I stop and I get more work done. But, yeah, you sort of pull up and plug the car in. Then you want to, you know, go get a feed and go to the toilet. You're like, oh, it's done. I've got to get going again on the road. You know, if you're moving quickly, yeah, it depends where you're have going. Have you ever got yourself into a toilet queue and resented every person in front of you because it's like, hang on a second, I should be at the top of the queue because I've got eight <laughs> minutes. I've got eight minutes to empty my bladder, people, and rush back to the car. Give me a break. Yeah, no. So I don't really want to tell you guys this secret, but um, go on. So look, in, in, in six years, we've only ever once um, been held up. and we, we literally, it was from Newcastle. And Heather Bray there, we decided to skip it because we thought Arca would be cheeky. We'll go to Q. And um, I remember in the 80s in Q, it was like petrol cars lined up for hours to get petrol in the 80s uh, as a kid traveling the city with my parents. But we went to Q, think if we get a charge at Q, we're going to make it to the farm and then we don't have to stop later on that day. And when we got to Q, uh, there was a huge big lineup because all the other EVs were there and, and it took us forever. So that's the only time we've ever, ever been held up. It was a long weekend. Stressful. Um, for me, most of the time I travel, I normally would leave an hour or two before everyone else would hit the road. So I'm sort of tend to hit the EV charges. I'm in and out before the rush sort of comes. So it's something that I've been very, I suppose, you know, I've lived my life like that the last few years to make sure that I'm in a charger before the busy periods happen. So yeah, I've only ever been caught once. But see <laughs> but, again, Mike, you've had to adapt your life yeah. around it. And and that's the thing. If you're the type of person who's happy to do that, that's cool. I'm just not that organised. Um, Dean, we're going to talk about impact on the environment soon because that was a big factor for me buying this. But just on that issue of charging, <laughs> My other complaint is, okay, you're sitting there. Why don't they have a little bucket so that you can wipe your windscreen? Why don't they have a tyre pump there? Why don't they even have a vending machine? There's such a missed opportunity here. I know Elon talks about these shops where you'll be able to go in and buy a hot dog and a burger while your car charges. I'd like to see Elon, how quickly he can put a hot dog down his gob, by the way, to get back to the Tesla in time. Dean, have you got any thoughts around charging? Is it a problem? Am I making it too big a deal? Yeah, I think you're making a little bit a little too much <laughs> out of this. Um, what happens I, when we get on a roll? As I kind of said earlier, I've done 99% of my charging at home. So I haven't experienced some of the things you guys have spoken about in terms of, you know, the cues to get to charge and other things like that. So I could, I haven't used a supercharger for, with my current long range, probably used a supercharger once or twice in the nearly sort of nine months I've had it. Um I used to sometimes use a public charger near me at a local community centre. There's a couple of spots near me. I'm in the southeast of Melbourne, so kind of towards the peninsula. 
Um, so there wasn't a lot of charging stations when I first got them, first got the Tesla, but they started popping up more and more. There was there was a couple free stations I used to utilize, uh, but of course they were never reliable. They were always broken down. The free ones oh, never seemed to work. Yes, and then <laughs> um, then they after you know twelve months you you rock up and it says oh we're now going to charge you you know. 50 cents per kilowatt hour, whatever it is. And I'm like, well, mm. there goes any reason for me using that. I'll just do and it And some own. of my friends say to me, Dean, that, oh, there's so many new charging places popping up all over the place. Like at, there's a local club where I live that has like about six bays painted in beautiful green and it's you can just stroll in there. I went and parked there and it's like, hey, where's the cord? So I went into the club. Oh, no, you have to bring your own cord. Oh, okay. Is it free? No, and it's not the Tesla cord. It's a different cable altogether. A council have put up some in the area I live, two two to three bays. Same thing. No, you can't just pull up and charge your car. You've got to go and buy a special cable, and they charge you as well. It's just it's crazy. Uh, Dean, I'll start with you with the environmental impact. It was a big factor for me. I, when I bought the car, I thought, I want to do the right thing in a small way in my world, uh, to help the environment. Since then, I've had so many people saying, do you know the electric cars are just as bad as fuel cars because of the way they mine the, you know, the minerals for the batteries and after the batteries don't work anymore, they're just disposed of and they're creating an environmental impact. Where did in the environment fit in uh, factor into your decision-making? Uh, it was somewhat minimal. So I was probably used to be a bit of a greenie, um, my father still is one, so I usually have some good uh, debates with him about it. Um, so I wouldn't say that that played a part in much of my decision-making to get an EV. Um, Do you think you're helping the environment by driving one? Uh, I, I just, I'm of the opinion there's kind of no free lunch in this type of thing. So mm. um, there's always going to be some sort of impact on the environment no matter what, whatever way you go, whether it's you know, a petrol car you're going to have obviously ongoing um, emissions through that, um, but with an EV, well, if you're not using, you know, if you're not sourcing, you know, renewable energy to charge it, then you're just again, you're just um, adding to the grid. Adding to the grid. Yeah, so th yeah. there's no, there's unless you're totally going solar, or, yeah, renewables, then you're still going to have some sort of impact on the environment. So, um, so you kind of, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that the environment was was a major part of my decision making at all. Mike and Darren, uh, do you feel like you're an environmental warrior by driving a Tesla? Um, I think we're actually just deluding ourselves if we think we're environmental warriors. I mean, I, I'm in Victoria. I, my car's powered by dirty coal, yeah. right? So I don't believe it's, um, you know, it's, it's doing anything to the environment. For me, when we do eventually get solar, um, at home again, that you know, environment. The environment's not necessarily driving that for me. That is more about becoming independent of the energy grid as it becomes more and more unreliable, and then also using you know the free sunshine to power my house and my cars. Um, very, very honest of you, Darren. I've got to say, yeah. uh, I, a particular person I know always shakes their head at me, and they mean it that I am contributing to child slave labour with the cobalt that goes into the battery let's just have a quick listen just for a minute about what elon has to say about those accusations that the batteries in teslas are actually coming at the cost of child slavery i, I, I and i heard a question raised about uh, cobalt mining um and 
you, you know what? We, we will do a third-party audit. So, so, in, in fact, we'll, we'll put a webcam on the mine. <laughs> and if, if anybody sees any children, please let us know. Um, a majority of our battery packs are iron-based, not cobalt. Um, and, the, the, and, and then our other battery packs are nickel-based, n- not cobalt. The nickel batteries use a little bit of cobalt as a binder, um, but only a tiny amount. In contrast, your phones all use 100% cobalt. <laughs> I recommend complaining to the phone manufacturers. <laughs> So he sort of puts to rest the whole idea of children being involved in mining of cobalt and that cobalt's even a huge factor in their batteries anyway. But, Mike, it's hard, isn't it? I I drive this car and I honestly thought I was doing the right thing by the environment, but now I'm very confused. Like I think it was um, Dean who said everything comes at a cost, right? Do you feel the same? You know, I think there's a real potential with EVs and I I work in the industry, so I sell solar and batteries for a living. Um, And for me, the reason I... I started with electric motorbike back in 2014 and we were off grid in the middle of Sydney. And for me, it was more about that I could be self-sufficient and power my life. And that's why I started with a motorbike because I, at the time I couldn't do it with a car and the cars just weren't really there. And the same as when we brought the tester, I looked at the numbers for the tester. And if you're someone that does about 45,000 kilometers per year, you're definitely going to make a huge impact on the environment. The reality is though, most people that buy these cars will buy them and do, you know, I see a lot of Tesla owners that'll buy a car and have it you know, they'll do 30,000 kilometers in three years and they're selling it and buying another car. That there's not going to be environmentally friendly. So there is a potential. If you, you know, it's just a tool. If you use it the right way, yes, you can make a difference. But if you don't, you're going to make worse of an impact is the reality. Mike, I'll stay with you. A lot of people are really fascinated by this idea that the car updates itself at regular intervals. And I've got to say, I struggle with this. I, I, probably get the same adrenaline rush that you all do. Oh, good, I wonder what's coming. But then sometimes buttons move and things are changed and I'm like baffled and I'm you're in the middle of it. And my auto, I don't know what happened with the last update, but my windscreen wipers are on auto, as all of yep. us are. Yep. And it just it will just wipe away every now and then when it's no water to be found. Mike, what do you have to think? The, the, the updates are exciting though, aren't they? They're a great feature of the Tesla. Definitely, like you, we got kids, they, they love all the updates on the new things that come through. And there's a, I'm sort of at the moment, there's a few things with my car that are, were going wrong. I think it was actually with the battery. Once I replaced the 12 volt battery in the car, they've started to fix themselves. And I was thinking at that point, I was like, where, where's the point of warranty run out on software? Because if they do a software update and something doesn't work on the car, because my windscreen wipers are the same at the moment. Mm. Um, they, I feel like the auto is just not as fast. You have to go to three if it's really running really heavily. Yes. Um, so yeah, there is an exciting part of it, but it's the same thing as phones as an update and that annoyingness as well, you know, which you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I think there was an update probably two or three days ago that came through and then you updated like, well, what's changed? You don't even notice anything that's changed. Um, Bug fixes. Yeah, but I, 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 I personally didn't notice any difference. Um, yeah. the, the wiper blades have been a bit sort of hit and miss over the last 12 months where it is they kind of just... You, you, when it's not rain, you get a little droplet of rain and the wiper starts going mad. And then when you get heavy rain, the wipers go slow. And when you really want them, they're not there. Um, so there's a couple of little things like that. Um, 
When I first bought the car, the salesman told me about the updates and said, this is great because the car will keep you know, improving uh, over the course of its life. And in theory, I, I believe that to be true and it is my experience. But when you look at the United States and here coming back to my initial argument that maybe the Tesla's not great for Australia, better for other markets. But when you look at the United States, that auto steer self-driving is looking on fire. Like you you probably all do the YouTube thing that I do, that someone driving from one major city to another without one intervention, in other words, not having to put their hands on the wheel or do anything human at all. But over here in Australia, I go around one bend and it does something really weird. And then in theory, the salesman told me the Tesla will learn that over time and won't do it again. Well, I've been driving for two years. It still does the same, if not worse, at all the same points on the roads around me. The updates don't seem to bloody improve the most important thing, which is how it handles the road. Thoughts? Yeah, I definitely said my, my wife, she won't use it because of that. We have a few corners. We, we live in Lismore. Um, there's a few corners that sometimes the car – and what I've found, there's one – corner in particular between Lismore and Ballina, if we're following another car, it does it amazing. But when there's no car in front of us and the car's driving by itself, wow, um, it freaks out, slams the brakes on, and it's an 80K zone, sort of hammers it down to 50, 60K. So, um, and there has been times where it's done it all by itself. It's been great with no car in front. But, yeah, I feel the same is getting worse and worse with, with the autopilot. I know. And in Australia, they gave a free... Uh, full self-driving, which is something you have to pay additionally for, to everyone for the course of, I think it was for 2023 Christmas, no, 2022 Christmas. And I loved it, but it, it, I thought that the point of that was that Tesla was going to gather all this new information and all of a sudden it would really improve out of sight. Darren, are you noticing that the auto drive feature, which I don't know if you've got the full self-drive, but we've all got the auto steer, I think it's called, is it improving, Darren, and is it something that they really need to work on in Australia? Um, so I don't, I don't have full self driver or even EAP. Um, so I've just got the basic system, and, and the reason I didn't bother is they gave us EAP for a month. I think it's the start of twenty twenty three, and I just thought it was gimmicky and not worth five grand. And I thought I'm not buying buying full self drive for ten. I didn't see the point. Mm. Um, I found one thing I'll say about the updates. When I first got the car, they were initially very, very exciting. Um, new computer games for the kids. Um, Apple Music came on. Podcasts have come on. So there's been a whole lot of extra functionality there. What I have found though is that call it the smarter stuff, such as autopilot or you know the wipers, for example. Um, they just when I think they get it right, then they make it worse, and then they issue another update, and it, it gets it right, and then. Some boffin at Tesla says, well, we need to update it again. They make it worse. I know the recent changes to autopilot did my head in because of a legal case in the US. And um, I'm a lawyer by background. And I should say, in my view, there's there's an argument to be said that by imposing conditions on autopilot that weren't there when you bought them, there's there's an argument that they're in breach of the Competition Consumer Act. So, for example, when they suspended my auto yeah, stick, yes, yes, or because that, that this thing be re- misreading my eyes, and I'm like, that's that was my argument. First of all, I couldn't get hold of customer service because it was a weekend. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can let them off for that. But when they eventually replied, they weren't interested in oh what they, they what they actually told me was get a passenger. Which, by the way, I'm a single person. I don't have a passenger. Get a passenger to film you if you think it's defective. And it's like. Oh, it's not so, about so, 
No, so I th- look. I think this is one actually for the ACCC. Only the ACCC has got the strength to take on Tesla. I mean, you can complain through the help desk, and really, you're at their Mercy. discretion. You know, you might. I've not tried it. I, look, I've been very lucky. I found the way to kind of play with the autopilot, and I actually found in the last recent updates, it's calmed down a lot. Um, what would and, happen if you put a sticker over that thing that reads your eyes? Um, it's funny you say know. that. So on the Tesla groups, there's some little device apparently you can buy online where it allows you to rant to, at your option, cover the camera or um, or open the camera, the internal camera. And I, my understanding is, and don't, you know, don't, I can't confirm this, but from what I read online is that doing that stops um, the other part looking at your eyes. But oh, look, I have found that when I switch it on, I've I've got um, glasses as well, but they're transition lenses, so I don't need to put a different set of glasses on top of my glasses. Um, as long as I'm looking full, when I turn it on, I've got both hands on the steering wheel. It checks immediately at that point. Uh, then after about five seconds, it calms down. It doesn't care so much where you look, as long as you've got a hand on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't ask for two hands. As long as I've got one hand occasionally just toggling the wheel, it seems fine. It's not that dissimilar to other cars from what um, you know, I've been speaking to others about. You know, other makes now also have alerts going off if you do their, um, what they call it, lane keep assist functionality and automatic cruise control. If you take your hands off the wheels and after, you know, in some cars, that, um, I was talking to someone drives on Hyundai, they said, oh, it used to be a few minutes. Now it's like 30 seconds and the car starts and the alarm comes off. Goes off, yeah, so. and that's but, the difference, isn't it, Darren? That it's yeah. it's just not the way. When I first got it, I you know again, I'm all for safety, of course, mm. but I, it was definitely, um, yeah, it was more relaxed. But now that blue flashing light, sometimes you can touch it, and literally three seconds later, must think I'm really naughty or something. Listen, we're we're running out of time. I'd love to finish this on a really really positive note. I'm going to ask you all to to finish with what you love about the Tesla what people will get if they buy a Tesla. But I just want to run through a few more things that bother me and just see if they bother other people. I reckon probably maybe 30% of the time when I'm coming back from the shopping center with my arms full of shopping, it will not recognize me. And I have to wait there, not being able to open my own bloody car while I've got my bags in my hands is this a problem across the board or is it just something that i'm having a problem with this sentry mode attacking me i don't think it's sentry mode that's i think it's to do with the you're trying to unlock the car is that what yeah and it comes up on the screen with sentry mode and then you've got to wait 30 seconds before it will unlock with your phone i assume sometimes i fiddle in my pocket and try to press any button i can yeah Yeah, lately i have had issues with that where it used to work like it was really it was near on 100% 100% reliable, I'd rock up, walk up to the yes. car, it would unlock. But the recent times have been hit and miss Yeah, where I'll, I'll have the phone in my pocket and I'll, you know, go to open the door and it, it doesn't recognise me and I have to open the app and, and unlock it. Um, so that's a bit of a bit of a pain, especially yeah, if you've got your, your hands full doing other things. I just find it really insulting. It's like this is a beautiful, luxury, expensive car and <laughs> you're not letting me into it. I find it really rude. I've got a personal relationship. I call it the Timsler. And um, yeah, we've we've definitely got a um, um, a fractured relationship with one another at the moment, especially since it won't auto steer me on my holiday. But so, Dean, you you've noticed that as well, and I think that's an update issue too. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be a bother, then other times it's every time I walk back to the car. 
Yeah, it's been yeah, it's it's a recent th- recent phenomenon I've noticed with it. It was used to be super reliable, and for whatever reason, it's just uh, been acted a bit funny. Um, around the century mode, of um, actually when I had my my serious car accident last year, um, as part of the after the accident, the police arrived and all that sort of stuff, and they asked me, "Well, can they t- could they take the the hard drive or the USB mm. stick to look at the footage?" Did you have a choice to give it to them or not? Did you? Well, I didn't know the legalities of that at that point. I was a bit a bit uh, distraught from the accident. I thought, "Well, I don't really have much to you know." I wasn't going to lie about anything, so they took my hard drive, and it turned out that it didn't actually record the accident. It actually cut the the dash cam had cut out about a minute before yes. the accident for whatever yeah. reason. Um, so I didn't actually have any footage of the lead-up or the accident itself. Um, I don't know if you guys saw on one of the Facebook Tesla groups, um, there's a video of a person opening a Tesla um, in someone's garage, right, breaking into it and um, and getting into the car and they couldn't drive off with it, but they went in the car and rummaged through things. And one of the issues is if, you're, if your car is close to your phone, so if you're for example, your bedroom at night is only a couple of metres away from your car, there is the potential that your car could be unlocked. So I was wondering whether that was a security thing, that Tesla's only going to let you unlock the car really when you're standing right next to it and perhaps when you do touch your phone versus the convenience of walking straight up to it and just opening it, right? That's a good point, Darren, I've got to say, um, that there's a setting that you, if, when you're at home, it will leave it unlocked. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that, that's actually like a, a bit of a problem because the car's unlocked, even for kids and whatever, right? Um, but you can change that, I understand, so that it does lock when you're at home. Yeah, and look, you know, I mean, I, I walk away from my car and it, it does automatically lock just generally. Um, but it's more about, you know, a situation where you do do that. You walk away, it locks, but because you're inside your house and your um phone is near your car because the bluetooth signal and if the car was to automatically unlock at even the lowest strength bluetooth signal there is a chance that someone could just walk into your driveway open your car still whatever whatever's inside it mm. i don't think they'd be able to drive off um or maybe they could i don't know but it does kind of make sense to require your phone to be close to the car and that makes sense to me it is frustrating i agree with you on the whole concept you're carrying your shopping you have to put everything down and um, touch your phone to then tell the car you're right next to it. And it's really but, bright, yeah. so it's hard to find the app and it's hard mm. to find the right setting. It's not like just a simple, yeah, look, just because of time, the very last low-level grumble I have is the the charging pads for phones inside, which I loved when I bought the car. I thought, this is awesome. I can put my phone there. It What it does to my phone is make the phone really, really hot and angry. Yeah. I think that's just a, that's not the car itself. That's just the pitfalls of wireless charging. Unfortunately, the just right. it just generates heat. So it's not a Tesla thing. I believe it's a, just a, the was it a Q, Q or key whatever the key charging wireless right. function. It just generates heat. Um, I don't really use the charging pad much anymore. But um, where do you put your phone? Because it's a natural place to put it so that you can, you know, yes. it's right in front of you. But since it overheats my phone, I don't want to use it either. But now I'm putting it in the little cup holder yeah. and that's it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a Tesla accessory 
um, junkie at oh, the yeah. moment. So I like to go out and buy a little. There's just so there's endless accessories you can buy, and I actually went out and bought this little. It's like this little tray thing that sort of mounts under the screen itself. So it has like a little tray that you can sort of sit your phone in. Wow. Or, or whatever. Okay. Um, I've got so many different accessories. Um, <laughs> and then actually today I had another one come in on Amazon. It's just like a little charging docking thing. So you plug it into the the center console part where the two USB-C ports are and it just puts like a little port set up um, where that little thing slides in and out. So you just has like a USB-C or a lightning um, cable to charge your phone. So I'm just going to use that from, from now on. So I kind of just charge with the cable. I'll go hunting for some accessories by the sound of it. Thanks for that, Dean. Now, listen, no with five minutes to go, nearly everyone listening is going to be going, God, he's a negative. Why? I hope he does sell his Tesla. He doesn't deserve it. I already, I already know the feedback that I'm going to get. You don't deserve my nut. You ain't worthy of my nut. But the thing is, I love the Tesla. I do love it. I, I, but I really do think I'm at the point now where, especially after the long trip I've just, just done, and the fact that they've banished me from auto steer, which was the main feature for me. I just love it. I love it to death. But we need to finish off with the positives because Teslas are great cars for all of their faults. They are great cars. So I'm just going to go through. Mike, why should people buy a Tesla and be really impressed by the Tesla vehicle? You know, I think just one thing I'll sort of point out, if I think if you went a long range, you'd have probably a different experience with road tripping. Um, yeah. I've yeah. had mine in the minuses plenty of times getting home. And I've always made it home. So <laughs> In the minuses? Yeah, I, I, I'm known for running things to the edge. So um, I got to 1% once and I've never, like you can probably tell, I've got some anxiety issues probably in general. <laughs> they're not diagnosed, by the way, but I believe they're there. But I got to 1% once and I was on a work call with very important people. Oh, it was I was sweating like all hell. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, I cut you off. But no, look, I think, you know, if you buy it and you use it right, um, you know, if you have a short range and you live around town, like there's no snow maintenance, they're just so easy to run. Um, yeah, I think I would really struggle to go back to a petrol car. Mm. Um, I do, we still do have a dirty diesel, we call it. Um, <laughs> a dirty diesel. Um, but I think, you know, even with the keys, that sort of stuff, when you actually own a petrol car and you got to pull your key out of the pocket, you know, the phone thing is just, I, I think we're spoiled in those things because it used yeah. to be so good and over time things have changed. Yeah. That's why we're disappointed when you go back to a petrol car. Um, it's a definitely a difference. I, I, yeah, I'm all over. EVs in general, not just Teslas, um, I think are definitely a better solution. Dean, why should people still be impressed by the Tesla despite everything that I've complained about today? Yeah, I think you've been a little bit of a negative Nelly with some of the, <laughs> some of the comments you've made. I guess it's all about weighing up the pros and cons. So for me, the the economy of it is just um, out of this world compared to a petrol car. You know, there's no uh, – you might talk about range anxiety. You're not getting pump anxiety. You're not worried about the fluctuations in petrol. You're like, I better fill up today because it's going to go up 40 cents tomorrow things like that. Um, I actually find it more convenient that I can just plug the car in. Just like your mobile phone, you, you plug it in overnight, that's fully charged in the morning. Um, you, don't have, yeah, you don't have to worry about what the, the petrol station says and um, and the technology, despite some of its um, cons, just I think they're quite minor when we're really in the whole scheme of things. I think we've been a bit pedantic. Um, look, I, I haven't driven any of the other EVs, so I can't really report on what they're like, but it'd be interesting to see 
what like Polestar and BYD are doing, what what the tech is like in those, and if they've got the similar bugs that Tesla has. But I think overall Tesla's still the best option in the EV market. Um, well, primarily because of the network, right? I mean, if I'd be more stressed if I owned a different EV, I know that because there'd be less options yep. for me to charge. And one of my main issues is always having to search for a charger if I'm out of my own area. Thanks, Dean. And I agree. Negative Nelly, hand up. I'm going to be banished for this. Darren, you still love your Tesla. Right. So I think really, you know, there's two two questions here. One is, do I go an EV? And the second question is then, do I go a Tesla? I think for all the things that Mike and Dean have said, you know, I think primarily, you know, they're in favour of do I go an EV? But it's not for everyone if you're out in the bush somewhere, then it might not be the right car for you. But the, the reasons why I think Tesla are better to have than other EVs, and, and in my family, we've got the BMW, my mother-in-law's got a, a Volvo um, XC40 recharge, and my brother's got a BYD. So I've got EVs and we're all going EV. Um, but the thing that Tesla has is that it's got the charging network. So you leave a major city, you have confidence, at least if you know that you're going to go to a supercharger site, there's a very, 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 very good chance it's going to work. Whereas other brands, there's a very, very good chance it's not going to work. Um, the other two things in favour of Tesla, in my view, is one is just the tech. And they drive well, value for money is really, really good. Although, you know, the Model 3, I'd say, has a good competitor in that the BYD seal in that regard. Um, but there's one thing I will say now, having you know, worked with other brands and, you know, dealing with them. When you go into a car dealer that is not BYD, Polestar or Tesla, and I've not bought from BYD, oh, sorry, my brother has from BYD, but I've not bought from Polestar, um, the product knowledge is shocking. They have no idea. Um, our experience of BMW, for example, has been subpar. I mean, the dealers are very friendly. Their service is fantastic. But they put their hands up and they say, we just don't understand how to solve the problem. So I, I think, you know, one of the things about Tesla is if there is an issue with your car, firstly, you go on the chat groups. There's about, the minute you put that issue up on Facebook, on one of the Tesla groups, there's about 500 people give you a response and tell you how to fix it, yeah. right? Um, so there's no, and, and often it's fixed by just holding two buttons in on your screen or just doing a, a power down and restart. Um but even then, if you then contact Tesla, you're not going to get fobbed off. They're actually, their service, I think, is very good. They'll come out to your house, they'll fix the car. If it's a real major issue, they'll get you to come in. So I think they've really, um, they're really, really good in terms of their product knowledge and in terms of attending to issues. I think other car makes, and, and a number of them are now releasing EVs, like the, you know, the traditional car makes are going to release EVs this year and next year. Uh, you know, you're dealing with people who, who are mechanics. They're not electricians. So they're going to really struggle to diagnose problems. The support base probably won't be there if you've got an issue. So I think, you know, for those reasons, for me, I've said to all my friends, if you're going to go EV, at least have one Tesla in the family. Yep. Yeah, look, you've all made beautiful points and I will put my hand up. I, I still love the Tesla. It's a really comfortable, luxurious car. It's It does feel great to drive um, when you're on a long trip if everything's going well. So, yeah, hopefully this conversation has given people enough information to make an informed decision about buying a Tesla or not. This is the real lived experience and we'd love to know what you have to say about your experience driving a Tesla too. Time to talk. Australia at Outlook.com. Mike, Dean and Darren, thank you so much for helping me out with this conversation today. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much.